thank you for tuning in to another fun episode with your favorite Mouse Moms, Jennifer. Hello. And Lori, that's me. Juliana is off enjoying Hawaii. Um, so I am sure she's having a lovely time there. But this week, we are so excited and honored to have a special guest back, uh, Ashley Kraft, who is the author of the unofficial Disney Parks Cookbook, the unofficial Disney Parks Drinks Recipe Book, and now the unofficial Disney Parks Epcot Cookbook. We are so excited to have the cookbook based all on Epcot. As you know, these mouse moms love Epcot. So first, let's hear a little bit about Ashley. Yeah, so this is not Ashley's first rodeo with us, so I'm sure you guys all remember her, but a little bit of a refresher. She grew up in Anaheim and could definitely recite Star Tours by heart. She could navigate the park without a map, just like our Lori. <laughs> um, and she would fall asleep to the sound of Disneyland fireworks each night in her bedroom. Not too shabby. She's like Mouskamon's dream. Um, after two internships in Walt Disney World and many, many more visits to the Disney parks, Ashley is now one of the leading experts of Disneyland and Walt Disney World. And her popular blog, Ashley Crafted, is best known for featuring recipes inspired by Disney Parks foods to help people recreate the Disney magic right in their own kitchens. Um, today, Ashley lives in Kansas with her husband, Danny, and her three kids, Elliot, Hazel, and Clifford. I always say this when she's on here, but I love those names. Um, she still makes time to visit the mouse as much as she can. Definitely go follow her blog, Ashley Crafted crafted.com. Check her out on all the social media. We're definitely going to post links so that you can easily find her. But let's welcome Ashley. Hey, Ashley. How's it going? We always love when you come on. It's yes. a pleasure. I have to amend um, my intro, though, because I moved. I live in Minnesota. You did? Yeah. Minnesota. I mean, still Midwest. But how's that yeah. going for you? I, just, I have a different office now. I don't have the I don't have the Epcot wallpaper anymore. I ha, I've we got need a, it. different different aesthetics. So, but Dif different aesthetics, same Ashley. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> well, we love having you on, and we love that you keep adding to your collection because, like, you know, we we do not live near the parks. We definitely. Um, have to fly every time we want to get yeah, there. And yeah. so being able to bring it home for a little bit is really nice, especially on those really tough weeks that we have, like, you know, last week and this week. Um, it's really <laughs> nice to be <laughs> able, <laughs> and maybe next week, it's really nice to be able to go and turn to your cookbooks that are very user-friendly and um, really accurate in terms of bringing that flavor of, of Disney home and um yeah and and Lori was not kidding like Epcot is our jam and so right. this I think you told us about this on one of the last podcasts you said get just wait just wait and we're like oh my god yeah. this is a dream <laughs> so this has been fantastic so yes Yay. we're very excited but before we get into all the questions about the book 
Um, yes. We, of course, have to do our mouse cake cocktails. So I know you had one picked out for us. So what do you have? Okay. So if you have your copy of the unofficial Disney Parks Epcot cookbook, yep. Um, this is on page 195. This is the I'm following along, right? You know, this is like a read along. So this is yeah. the Tokyo Sunset. This is like a class I could get behind. <laughs> <laughs> this is oh my god, that's your next project. Yeah, you should do classes. Anyway, yes, Tokyo. Don't think Sunset. I haven't thought about it. You know. Um, <laughs> I, I've done one tutorial at an elementary school, and I've done two two classes at a library. So I have done a little bit, but not not anything like serious. Just just. <laughs> but we need to come back to this. Yes. Anyway, yeah. yeah. Okay. So All right. this is the Tokyo Sunset. Um, for those of you don't, who don't know, I don't drink alcohol, so um, I've never actually had the Tokyo Sunset. Um, I have a mixologist who does all of the alcoholic drinks in the book. And she also um, came up with all the mocktails so that they would match the flavor. So I'm gonna teach you how to make the mocktail today. Um, okay. The alcoholic recipe is in the book here and then the mocktail is in the sidebar. So whichever way you like to do it, we've got something for you. Okay, so I have my little, let me see this. Set up here. I'll just show my. You tray. do have it set up. That's I'm awesome. I'm extra. Everybody knows that. <laughs> uh, so we're gonna. We have a All right. So for anyone that's listening to the podcast, you now need to go on YouTube and you need to watch it because she's actually yes. making it. She's actually <laughs> mixing up the drink. This is, this is definitely worth looking at. Ashley is it pouring is. pouring little cups into a big cup. So I've got, I've got my tray of ingredients. So we're gonna start with two ounces of cranberry juice in the glass. And right. then we have a cocktail shaker that we're gonna put everything else in. So we have two ounces of pineapple juice, one and a half ounces of peach juice. This is peach nectar, um, mm. but you can use any kind of peach juice. And then one ounce of coconut water and a half teaspoon of banana extract. All right. All right, so we're gonna oh, cap that. <laughs> Shake it up. And this had I half full of ice, so it gets nice and frosty. And now we're gonna pour it into our glass. Hopefully it's gonna kind of sunset. And then I'm gonna put ice in the glass. I love it. Okay. It's Taste. so pretty. You need your umbrella. Mm. I know. <laughs> I probably have one. I, sh I shouldn't say I don't have one. I didn't look for one. I'm sure I have one somewhere. So to yeah. make this a cocktail, you would replace the coconut, the peach, and the banana with coconut rum, peach schnapps, and banana liqueur. And then you would have it an adult version of this. But I love, I love how the book has your cocktail version and then your mocktail version yeah. so that you could choose what you want to do. I have to admit something to our, our Mouska Mom listeners. 
So it's no secret that I despise peach schnapps. Like I have the most allergic reaction to it, but I've had the Tokyo sunset and I didn't die. It was really good, actually. So I would say probably because you're mixing it with cranberry and a pineapple, which is just they're stronger flavors. So you're not yes. gonna get hit by that peach schnapps. Um yeah, I gotta admit, I didn't even realize that there was peach schnapps in it. I think if I read it, I would not have ordered it. So it's a good thing that I didn't so know. Do you think do you think if you made it at home, you could sub the peach schnapps for peach the peach juice and then keep I would the other totally do that? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Maybe you would like that better. Peach. Yeah. Peach juice, I'm all over. Just I the say peach juice is yummy. No, I love mm -hmm. the mocktails in here too, especially because if you're making them for multiple people that some aren't drinking yeah. with the alcohol. And, and, you know, lots of times you get the fun drinks around Epcot too. And my kids are like, oh, that looks fun. Can I try it? I'm like, no, mm -mm. no, no. And you know what? You could probably make this for a part, like the mocktail version yeah. for a party and then put shot glasses with rum next sure. to it. And they could, because yeah. I don't think you really need the other stuff. I think the rum would be enough to make it a cocktail. That would be fun. Yes. No, always, awesome. always exciting. I yes. love this. I no, love this. and there is a, if you have the book, which you should have the book, there is a beautiful picture in there too, right next to the Tokyo sunset. Yeah, it is. It gorgeous. really is pretty. And if you don't know, this is found in Epcot at the Japan Pavilion. So Yes. So now, awesome. all right. So let's get into questions and into this book because I love this yes. book. <laughs> yes, without further ado. Yes, without further ado. So we are so excited again to have you back and we are so excited to go through all things Epcot um, because that is one of our favorites. Um, first, we love that you focused in on Epcot and all the food and drinks. How, how long has this one been on your list to do? Um, I mean, I think for everyone, Epcot stands out as the premier food location at Disney parks. I mean, if you just look at sheer number of restaurants, it just towers over all the rest of the parks. Um, everything you eat there is good. It's always good. And the festivals just are on top of that. Like all the food that's regularly there is good. And then you add the festivals, that's always incredible. So the bites are continually refreshing. There's always something new to try there. So if you're a foodie, Epcot, it is your jam. Yeah, for sure. So um, I feel like as soon as I realized that I might be able to write more than one book, this was, this was on my list. Yeah. Yeah. And it, honestly, it was, I feel like this one naturally, like for an author, it lends itself to like volume one, volume two, volume yeah, three. Well, that would be nice. I, I haven't thought about that, but that would be a good idea. It, it really does. Because like you said, the food in this park is constantly being yeah. refreshed and changed just with the festivals. And, mm -hmm. and um, I think this is great. This, this is a great volume one because it has all the classics that we go back for on every trip. Yeah. So I think that's great. But um, but yeah, I definitely think it lends to itself to <laughs> well, volume one, two, three. Doing updates based on the festival foods, too. I mean, they at least have five or six new ones going every festival. Oh, for sure. But, yeah. yeah, they do. So this book, we noticed if you guys have it, it you know, it you broke everything up differently, which actually I loved. So it was not what I was expecting for Epcot, but in a good way. Um, I think I naturally just go like into a breakdown of country by country. Um, but I was pleasantly surprised to see that this was broken down into appetizer snacks and then entrees and then desserts and then drinks, which really is more on the cookbook 
side of things. So mm -hmm. I think I look at it more as Disney, but this was awesome to have it broken down. So when you're looking at it as a cookbook, you can break these items into it. Um, was that kind of the thought process behind it or where did you guys kind of start with that? Um, when I first was, so when I write a cookbook, I kind of, you know, I have different phases. So I start out with a kind of a sketch phase where you kind of, you come up with ideas and are putting it down into a rough table of contents. So you're sort of slotting things in to make it balanced and help it out and stuff. So I, I did start by having it broken down by country because I wanted it to be balanced and wanted to make sure that it was well representative of the countries and the three festivals that I highlighted. And mm -hmm. so that was how I, how I originally broke it down. Um, and my publisher was actually the one who decided, who said, let's break it down by food type. Um, so it'll help people be easier to navigate. And then we can have a map on the back that has the pavilions so that it can break it down that way. And, um, I thought that was a great idea. And that's how my books have gone moving forward. Um, as you'll see, as you already know, I have a universal book coming out in a couple of months and that one is broken down also the same way by, by food type instead of by part of the park. So, um, so yeah, I just think it's, it's easier for the home cook to find what they want. Um, but there's also lots of, of cues in order to tell you what kind of pavilion. I don't know if you noticed that there's little icons that are for each different kinds of pavilions. So if you're searching for something, there's a lot of easy ways to get to it in the book. Yeah. I just think yeah, speaking of like that, like you have a map in the back. You mm -hmm. have a map of Epcot and where everything goes, which was amazing. Um, you know, everybody, they're not quite as map friendly as I am. Um, and people get confused going around Epcot. I mean, I got it in the head, but, you know, you need the map of Epcot and where everything's located. Um, and I feel like even Disney sometimes misses that boat when it comes to festivals. They have it all listed, but they don't have a user-friendly map to be like, all right, I want this pretzel. Where can I go to get yeah, it? Yeah, you're right. Um, so the map is awesome in the back. Um, yeah. Huge fan of it. It's awesome for bringing it back to Disney, too, because now you can make these items at home and be like, you know what? I need to try that the next time I'm there. And you can right. see exactly where you can try it. Exactly. Awesome. Yep. Which is awesome. I think the other thing that is so cool about the way you formatted the book is that you don't necessarily have to make an entire meal out of one pavilion. You can pick your favorites by, you know, appetizer, entree, yeah. dessert. And who cares that one is from Norway and one is from <laughs> Mexico? And it right. doesn't matter. I love that. That's kind of how we all eat at Epcot anyways, right? I mean, exactly. if you're like me, exactly. I like to have small bites from as many pavilions as I can get to. So it's not like you're having a whole meal that's encompassing one. one pavilion you do eat a whole bunch of things throughout the day so exactly talk about bringing bringing disney home that's absolutely true that's how that's how we all eat in, yeah. in epcot i mean yeah. if you do epcot right that's how you do it right <laughs> um i the thing i like about this also just like your other books is that you make this really user-friendly um I am going to be making the gourmet mac and cheese with borson garlic and fine herbs this evening because my kids love a good mac and cheese. And it's like, it's easy. It's easy. I yeah. love it. Any Anyone can cook. That's right. <laughs> anyone can cook. The thing that um, intimidates me, though, we talked about it before the... 
we talked about it a little bit before the podcast started. So I love to cook, love it, because you don't need to be exact. You just throw in a little bit of this and a little bit of that. And nine times out of 10, it comes out just fine. Yeah. But baking scares the holy heck out of me because you do need to be a whole lot more exact. My most favorite thing to eat in Epcot and the thing I have to get every time I'm there or it's like, did I even go to Epcot is the school bread. And there's a recipe in here for school bread mm -hmm. and it scares the pants off of me. Am I going to be able to do this? Walk me through. Help me. Okay. Me pep okay. talk because this is like, oh, no. no. Okay. Page, 40, page 49 class. class see, <laughs> you need to do this. That is, Ashley, that is how you are going to make me feel comfortable making school bread. We are going to do a class. That's right. I, I, I would love to make that happen. You know, I would. I just, I don't even know where to start with that kind of business. Right? Uh, yeah, um, that's true. We can help. Okay. So school bread, it's true, is a total fan favorite. I will say that I, I made it easy easier because instead of using actual um, custard, I have instant pudding. So I was just going to say that, like that makes my heart happy yeah, because yeah. it's one, honestly, that part I'm, I'm good with because I can follow directions on a box. Yes. It's, the, the, <laughs> it's the dough that is having me. So I do not have a dough hook attachment. Can I make this still? Yeah. You just have to, um, you just have to knead it by hand. So, um, it, and I always say this, we have a great resource at our fingertips and it's called YouTube. So if you have any questions on technique, if you need to know how to knead, then you should, you should totally Google it because um, it's something that maybe you think you know how to do, but could use a touch up on. Um, so I always like to use a dough hook or whatever, because I like to work smarter than harder. Um, so that's, that's what I'm about. You can also, if you have a stand mixer, you could probably get a dough hook for a couple bucks from Amazon. Yep. So, um, oh, if that's yeah, I, was gonna say, I have, I have the mixer and I think mine came with the dough hook. It's, well, maybe if I it's should a KitchenAid, it should have come with one. Yeah. Oh, then I must have one, but it's just like, a, it's just, either, I just don't either use like it because I don't big, like, you know, hook looking like captain thing or hook. a spiral yeah. looking thing. So yeah, like a captain hook. So okay. Um, so yeah. So that, the machine is going to be baking for me. See, if you say it like that, then it's yeah, not yeah. As scary. Yeah. Well, that's like I I tried to avoid hand kneading at all costs because that sounds okay. hard. Um. So yeah, you just follow the directions. It, I mean, okay. I I also about letting rise in a warm place that that one can get tricky just because you want to make sure it's the right amount of rise if you watch great british baking show you don't want to overproof anything oh my goodness i love that um, show some some ovens have a proofing setting which is great because it's really uh regulated you know it's always going to be the same my favorite place to rise items is in the laundry room if you have the washer going because it just adds an ambient heat to the room um, you can also, if you're preheating the oven, you can put it on top of the oven and there's heat that rises from the oven. So these are all ways that you can help rise your dishes in a more controlled setting than just putting it in a window or whatever. Because if you have air conditioning on, uh, it can cool that down right away. Um, so those are some hot tips on how to 
Those are work. important tips. I they like are. I was going to say the school bread, my kids love this. That's the first one I looked at and I was like, oh, but then it's like you said, as soon as you got to the instant villa of pudding, I'm like, right. okay, I can do this. I can do that's, that. That's why I didn't, that's, this is why I didn't throw it across the room and cry because I'm like, oh, it's so yes. close, it's so far away. But the dough scares me a little bit. But I will say custard is intimidating. Like I, right? yeah, so it's, it, it does help to use vanilla pudding when possible. So other than yes. that, I would really say just, just, read all the instructions first before you get started and then just take it step by step. I just I hope it. I wrote it in such a way that makes sense. Um, I mean, yeah. it absolutely makes sense. And again, like I said, I love that you do, you're not afraid of giving us shortcuts because we are not all, you know, Betty Crocker and Julia Child. That's right. And yes. so anyone can cook. Thank you. Love I, I think I've said that on this podcast before that, you should never, ever, ever feel ashamed about having store-bought items in your recipes. Um, I, I actually had someone blast me on Twitter a few weeks ago, which, you know, thank you, people of the internet. You guys are oh, such cuties. But um, somebody criticized one of my recipes because they said that I was, um, it was a, it was one of the skewer recipes and they said, Oh, I just used like poison sauce or something like that rather than um, using a spice cabinet and uh, whatever. But the thing is that poison sauce is a very complicated combination of sauces and spices that somebody has taken the time and energy to make for me. So yeah. we shouldn't feel ashamed about buying a store-bought bottle of something that has been like literally taken decades to create and perfect it like that's good we want to use that 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 is good for us like moms who need help like that's right. fine if it's a great flavor and it turns out good then we don't need to criticize it like and Amen. i totally clapped back at them and said that <laughs> i said good for you did, you, did it stop them i never said i'm a chinese food expert never like no. I, I'm, I'm not I am not making authentic food. I am but isn't that Disney food. That's it. And isn't that the cool thing about how accessible those items are for us that now we can bring Chinese food into our homes exactly. and have our kids experience that kind yeah, of stuff exactly. to make them better eaters and diversify their palate and yep. you know, oh, Twitter. Come on, Twitter. I I know yeah. there are way better skewer recipes and cookbooks out there. Trust me, I am not a cooking expert, but if that's what you're looking for, you're at the wrong cookbook. Right. And that's fine. And that's that fine. is fine. You There's did not write this cookbook for that. thousands of cookbooks out there. Sure. Find the one that you are looking for. I'm happy for you to cook it. You don't need to come and attack me personally. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, uh. So I am all for anything that saves time. And that's to me, I'm like, it's stupid too. You, you could start all the way fresh and get the, the like you said, the spices for the hoisin sauce. And then you sit yeah. there and you made it and you're like, it's literally that in a jar. I yep. could have just saved all of that time. And money. How and, much and money do you think you spend buying absolutely. all of the ingredients that you think you probably need to make a hoisin sauce from scratch when you can buy yeah. a $5 jar of it? Yeah, and be done. I'm saying agreed. And now a word from our sponsors. Mouse Kamams are avid travel enthusiasts, and our podcast is sponsored by Kingdom and Cruise Travel. If you are interested in booking a vacation to Disney or any other worldwide destination, be sure to check out the website, kingdomandcruise.com. 
and their Facebook page, Kingdom and Cruise Travel. So a lot of these recipes, some of these, um, or a lot of these are from the festivals. Do you have a favorite festival? Um, obviously that's tough. Because <laughs> <they, laughs> I know you feel the same way. Um, I really have a, a place in my heart for the Festival of the Arts. I think it's so special. I love all the color. Um, I love seeing all the paintings. I haven't ever actually bought one, but one of these days I'm going to take my checkbook and get something great for my house. Like I will do it. Um, and I love the, uh, last time I was there, I got to see the Broadway series and that wow. was really yeah. cool. So I like the that only a lot. Thing, the only thing I do not like about the festival of the arts is that it is so short. Yeah, it's, it's tiny. So short. I know you really have to hit it right on. <laughs> you really it's, do. It's true, but also I feel like that kind of makes it special. Like if you are there for that, it's sort of like, oh, I got to do something really cool. Like that not everybody That's did. So yeah, yeah, I would say on the on the paintings and that I I was there one year for opening day and we were like walking around and I was like, I want to I want to buy a picture. I want to buy a painting. I want to do it. And I went around and Thomas Kincaid had a um, booth set up. Yeah. And it literally it was the first day. And I think we made it around there by two o'clock and I found the painting I wanted. And they're like, oh, I'm so sorry. It sold out. I'm like, you were on day one, day one. And she's like, I'm sorry. And it was, I have it in my office now because I found it on Shop Disney much later on because it got so popular that Shop Disney actually took it and put it on their website. And it was the Thomas Kincaid 50th anniversary of Walt Disney World. But we went around to different things and there are people there that get very into this festival for the arts and they actually will go around. I mean, people are coming out with huge bags of paintings yeah. and they were saying it's not uncommon for this stuff to sell out the first day. So it's, it is a huge thing. All of that painting or all of the paintings and the artists there and everything else. Mm -hmm. um, you know, there are some cool artists actually there signing their stuff too, which I thought was really cool. And I didn't know that. Yeah, that's that's what I would love to do is like go and see an artist and buy like an original with them signing it. Like that's that would be big goals. That would be really cool. Yeah, no, it's awesome. Someday. Yes. All right. So speaking <laughs> of pictures too, this book is filled of pictures. Yes. It love has that. so many beautiful, colorful photos. I feel like you guys upped your photos in this book. Definitely. Um, what what was the photo process like? Because these are gorgeous and they have beautiful backgrounds too, depending yeah. on where they're located. Um, just like all my books, the photographs are done by a photography firm called HarperCollins. They're out of California. So they actually take my recipes and create the food in studio and then photograph them. So um, it is amazing. It's so great that they have such great resources. One of my favorite days in the publication process is that I get the mood board. They send me a PowerPoint presentation that has all of the inspirations for each of the photos and then each of the props that they're going to buy and the backgrounds and all that. And so I get to see what it's going to look like um, for each of the photographs. And I just love it because every time I'm just thrilled out of my mind, like, insanely excited they do such a good job i feel like they hit every time um and one of the major feedback from the first book was that there wasn't enough pictures so this this book has a third more pictures than the first book does so definitely feels like when you flip it you're seeing a lot more pictures than mm -hmm. you did in the first book so it really does it really does bring so much to the cookbooks just because 
you know, you, you eat with your eyes first. Isn't yeah. that what they say? Yep. And so being able to see these and, and, you know, recognize your favorites or see things that you haven't tried before. I mean, I think that's how I look at it first. You flip through, you look at the pictures and you're like, Ooh, I like that. Ooh, I want to try that. Mm -hmm. So what a cool process for you. Yeah. And these photos too, like, I, like the one, if you guys are watching, the one that I was looking at was the strawberry mousse. It's out of flower. It's the flower and garden festival. And yeah. they put the flowers behind it and it looks like it's on a tray. It looks like it's at Epcot from flower and garden. It's awesome. And the next it one was sitting like, on a trash can though. Cause then it would be like, <laughs> So I will say it took me a second to look because it I'm like, does. right? Like, I think that's definitely feedback for your publisher. That's right. Next time, if we could get this on like a tiny, tiny table or like a trash can, a trash can. or on your yeah. railing or on your like, knee, that would be great. That'd that be would awesome. be great. But yeah. yeah, there's just little touches. Like they have banana bread with um, mixed berry compote and that's from Simmering Sips. So it looks like they put the bubbles from the Simmering Sips in the background. Like um, they're just really cool pictures. They're extremely um, thoughtful. Just, they really do. Yeah, they're extremely yeah. thoughtful. It's really cool. Um, so huge fan of the pictures. All right, so the recipes. Are there any items that did not make the book that you wanted them to? Or did oh, everything that you wanted? I don't think so. Um, I'm trying to think. I always start with my favorites. So, um, you know, I make sure I get that in. I, I, I don't know. I wrote this like a year ago. It's hard for me to remember. <laughs> <laughs> and so many books down the line now, it's, it's hard to even remember um, what I was considering. But um, some, some pavilions do have more than others. And my publisher was very adamant about balancing them. So that was a little tough because I think that there was a lot of like French recipes that I wanted to put in um, and had to balance it out with recipes from other pavilions. And like, I'm not sure I even have an example in my head of what that, what that, what that would be. But um, I think we can all agree that some pavilions have food that we prefer more than others. And um, so that, that is just, trying to trying to balance it. So I think sometimes I had to do that, like pick pick one over another just because of balance. But um, I do think well, all your... of out really great and, and uh, got favorites. Um, when I was writing the book, I visited Epcot a lot. I probably went, I probably went four times just for this book. Um, so I went to every festival at least once. And uh, so I did a lot of research, but I went to the cast members who were working in each pavilion and asked them personally what the most popular food items are in the whole pavilion, either at a specific restaurant or um, in the pavilion as a whole. And um, so I think that gave me a lot of great insight that I might not have been able to understand without having that like on the ground knowledge. So mm -hmm. I really think that something that makes my book special is the amount of work that I put in and um, really trying to understand what everybody loves and not just me. Like I don't want to put my own biases in. Um, I want to make a book that everybody wants and everybody loves and has all the food that that people like. So um, like the Mexico recipes, I, I, I'm just remembering that I went, when I, when I asked the uh, cast members what the most popular was food was at um, 
at the restaurant inside the Mexico pavilion. I think that they said that the queso fundido was like really popular and I had not heard of that or seen it or tasted it before. And um, so I was like, oh, I, I don't even know what that is. <laughs> and they're like, yeah, everybody gets it. So it's like, oh, that's great. Like I'm totally gonna put that in my book because I wanna have what everybody loves. So was there a popular item that you wound up putting in the book that you were like, I'm not a fan, but I should put it in because it's it, so many people like it? Mm, there might have been some that felt that way. So like I said, I do um, I do like a rough table of contents and then I go to the parks and refine it. So I taste the food that I have on the list and then I try foods that are outside of the list and then sub in and out ones like that. So um, for instance, I had had the like impossible hot pot from rose and crown on the list and i think i expected to not like it because i don't actually like shepherd's pie or um like casseroles that have meat and potatoes and um so i i probably was like on the fence about that one and then i ended up loving it like so good um i thought it was one of the best bites of the day and i've made it at home obviously a few times and it's always a, a favorite so like you you never know like you gotta you gotta <laughs> get there try it and see but that was an example of something that surprised me how much i liked it do you have a favorite either a favorite that you like to eat from this book or a favorite that you like to cook from this book um hmm it's a hard like one. Thought about it's that. like when somebody asks you what your favorite festival is. I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> I do make um, I make the pizza pretty often. I like making pizza at home. Um, I did a TikTok video making the pizza. So, um, I mean, nobody follows me on TikTok, so nobody has seen this video. But um, <laughs> if you look me up on TikTok, you can see me making the pizza. Uh, but it's very easy to make and has a you make a delicious homemade pizza right away. Um, so I love that one. I do love the queso fundido. That's become one of my favorites. I also, um, where is it? The cookies, caramel apple oatmeal cookie with pecans from the Germany pavilion oh. with the Werther's caramel. That one is so great because it's like, I, I feel like people make cookies all the time to take to an event or a friend's house or something or, or to drop off to someone. And you just kind of go for chocolate chip or whatever you have. And this is honestly like, it probably has one more step than a chocolate chip cookie, like not that much harder, um, but it's such a surprising, delicious flavor. And it really like throws people off how, you know, what, what is in this? Like, it's so good. It's got like chewy caramel and uh, the, it has um, dehydrated apples in it. So it's just like, just the flavor of apple uh, comes through without really the texture. So yeah. Have to this one now. <laughs> Lori, Lori's vigorously taking notes. Yep, I am. <laughs> yeah. So what can, what else can we expect from you? I know you have your universal cookbook coming up. What else? Anything else in the works? Um, of course. Uh -huh. Anything <laughs> that you're going to tell us about? Yes. Um, probably not. Um, yeah. So for those who didn't hear, I do have a universal book coming out uh, uh, October 25th. So it actually got moved up. 
Um, so that's exciting. So we will have it squarely before the um, Thanksgiving shopping season. So hopefully we'll have it in stock and not out of stock at that time. <laughs> um, I'm a huge Harry Potter fan. So uh, we've got a lot of Harry Potter recipes in there. A good chunk of the book is Harry Potter recipes. So if you're looking forward to those things, we also have uh, Jurassic recipes, Minions, uh, Simpsons, Dr. Seuss. So all, all of your favorite Universal properties, I think that Universal has really upped their game with food. I think they're trying to um, get to that level that Disney has. They also have festivals and things. So they're, they're really have, um, have upped the ante lately. So I'm, I'm super excited to bring this book, which doesn't really exist at all um, to the market. Um, and then, yeah, I am, I am currently writing a book, another Disney themed book um so you you can look out for that i think summer 2023 awesome awesome well thank you so we have a mouse tip as always we have we always have tips that we can give for our listeners and this one is no surprise super easy buy Ashley's book. <laughs> if you're listening to us, you know that one of our favorite topi topics is Disney food and drinks. So this, um, and then of course, as we've said multiple times on this episode, Epcot is our favorite. So this book is an absolute must for everyone. It's all already being sold on Amazon. And um, so go ahead and pick that one up and you can make all your favorite dishes at home too, just like us. And I'm going to try that school bread. I might call you for backup. <laughs> right. I'm on call. Just anybody right. at home making this, my home phone number is just... <laughs> <laughs> across the screen. You've got a number. <sighs> yes. I just told you people are blasting me on Twitter. I don't need people calling me. <laughs> All no, right. Well, no thank harassing. you, Ashley, for joining us. And thank you for spending another episode with us. If you have tried some of the recipes from her unofficial Disney Parks Epcot cookbook, you can share those on our Facebook page. Um, and you can join our Facebook page at Mouse Moms Podcast. And don't forget to visit our blog as well, because we will have a blog article up for this podcast and all about this book at Mouse Moms with an S blog.com. Now it's time to say goodbye to all our company. Soon. Why? Because we like you. And